We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, we are engaged in a great civil war, testing that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Hi everyone, and welcome back. You're listening to Old Glory, an American history podcast with me, your host, Per Fjernby. This is a history podcast making a journey through U.S. history from colonial era to the present. Um, in the last episode, I talked about New Spain and the exploration of North America. As I said, the Spanish were the first Europeans to ever set foot in many places that is the U.S. today. So until the 17th century, uh, the few outposts of European settlement were uh, mostly Spanish, uh, and the interest for colonizing North America is not that great. But in the early 17th century, all that will change, as we shall see in this episode, when the contest for North America begins in earnest. The English established Jamestown, 1607, the French established Port Royal, 1605, and Quebec, 1608, and the Spanish add Santa Fe as a second settlement in 1610, out in the west, and continues with the St. Augustine in Florida, and the Netherlands established Fort Nassau, 1614, which is around the area of today's Albury, and as we shall see, also Sweden set up Fort Christina, 1638, where Wilmington is is today in Delaware. First up, we're going to talk about New France. Uh, when when the French colonization begins in earnest again, uh, they focus on Canada. Uh, starting in 1603, Samuel de Champlain makes several trips to America, uh, and he's sometimes called the father of New France. He's in the service of the company New France, which is given the right by the French king to colonize North America. Champlain explores the St. Lawrence River, uh, the northeastern United States and Canada, including the Great Lakes. uh, And uh, the the Lake Champlain is, of course, named after him, uh, the lake that connects the Hudson River with the Richelieu River all the way up to the St. Lawrence River and the city of uh, Quebec. Under Champlain's leadership, France established several colonies. The first attempt took place uh, in today's Maine, but the colony moved in 1605 to Port Royal on the peninsula that the French call Acadia and the English later call, uh, calls Nova Scotia, which is of course Latin for New Scotland. At the St. Lawrence River, the French established a colony at Quebec in 1608, and uh, then they advanced further uh, inland, and 1642 uh, they added a new settlement at uh, today's Montreal. Uh, New France becomes a colony extending from Nova Scotia and then westwards along the St. Lawrence River to the Great Lakes. Although fishermen 
from both France and England regular regular visits the great banks to fish in the 16th and 17th century it was the fur trade that became the foundation of New France trading furs with native americans was a very lucrative trade uh, beaver skins were used in Europe to make fashionable hats and the beaver had almost uh, became extinct in Europe The French established a fur trade where their allied tribes uh, visit Montreal and Quebec a few times a year to trade furs for other goods. And uh, the Company of New France had a monopoly of the fur trade for the first um, uh, years of, of the colony. In contact with the Native Americans, the French also invest in Catholic missions and tries to convert the tribes. Uh, Jesuits had uh, already been sent to New France to keep religion alive among the colonists uh, and they engaged in missionary work at the same time. The French allied themselves with a number of tribes in the present-day Canada, primarily the Hurons, uh, which is uh, an Iroquian-speaking tribe, uh, and they also aided them in their battles against the so-called Iroquois confederacy which is a number of tribes that included the mohawks and others from the same uh, family of language uh, but uh, they are enemies at this uh, time the iroquois tribe in turn in their turn sold beaver pelts to new netherlands further south at their settlement at fort nassau today's albany in in new york Uh, and the netherlands alliance with the iroquois would later be taken over by the english The European involvement in these ancient conflicts between different tribes uh, changed the conditions for many tribes and affected the colonization uh, a lot. Uh, in the past, the tribes had fought with bows and spears and axes, mainly in small skirmishes with the aim of winning glory, booty and kidnapping women. And now it becomes a more uh, deadly fight with firearms in order to be able to control the fur trade with their, their European uh, allies uh, in, the, in the colonies uh, and to be able to dominate the other tribes. Uh, a pattern was established where European powers exploit the, the rival tribes and the boundary, boundaries between the tribes and the colonies are not, not all that clear but function as a sort of a buffer zone. Uh, this is why these border regions were actually named the middle ground. New France was sparsely populated and, and, and quite a weak colony. Uh, as early as the 1620s, the English were able to temporarily conquer Port Royal in uh, 1627 and Quebec in 1629. That could have been the end of New France, but in peace negotiations that followed the war, the colonists were returned to France. In Paris, the king realized that the company was not enough to govern and develop New France. In 1663, the colony was converted into a crown colony owned by the state and King Louis XIV himself. The crown tried to breathe life into the colony and increase the population. A governor and over a thousand soldiers were sent to New France along with several hundred young men. Since it is mainly mainly men who live in the colony, they also send a lot of girls from orphanages in Paris in the hope of achieving uh, natural population growth. Uh, these girls were uh, called filles de oui, daughters of the king. A system was also created where land along St. Lawrence River were divided into manors where the landowners were given the title seigneurs, the French equivalent of lord. Uh, however, the system worked poorly and no large landowning upper class was, was ever established in, in New France. 
The colony was also expanded geographically by French expeditions into the interior of North America. In 1673, the Mississippi River was discovered uh, or rediscovered since since the Spanish was there first. At first, it it was not known whether the mighty Mississippi River flows flows west towards California or or south toward Florida. But through information from the Native Americans, it was soon understood that it opened opens straight south into the Gulf of Mexico. In 1682, then a large expedition were sent under Robert Cavalier de La Salle to explore the entire river south to the mouth of the into the sea. Uh, when he arrived, La Salle named the area after the French king Louisiana. Around the turn of the century in 1600, several forts and settlements were established along the Mississippi rivers. The Mississippi River, such as St. Louis and uh, along the Gulf of Mexico, towns like Belushi uh, in Mississippi, Mobile, Alabama, and New Orleans in Louisiana were, were founded. At the same time, they tightened their grip uh, on the Great Lakes. Uh, they established themselves at Niagara in 1678, at Detroit in, six, in 1701. They also explored areas such as today's Illinois and Minnesota and created settlements. Uh, the Mississippi River becomes an important central avenue for New France. Traders, fur hunters and monks uh, travels from the St. Lawrence River and the Great Lakes to the Gulf of Mexico. Um, later, this will of course lead to uh, war and, and conflict with the English, who becomes trapped on the east coast when the French controlled the entire region west of the Appalachian Mountains. Unlike the future English colonies, New France was not really colonized beyond smaller settlements. Uh, it was more of a network of trading places and trade routes that were connected between different waterways. By the turn of the century to the 18th century, the, the total French population was 25,000 compared to the English colonies, which had, which had 250,000 at the same time. The population increases in New France to around 80,000 in the, in the mid-18th century, but in terms of population, they are fighting a losing war, ending up far behind the English colonies. Uh, one reason is that the colonies are not open up for religious descendants uh, such as the Huguenots, uh, that is the, the French Protestants or, or poors or criminals. Another reason if, is of course the colder climate in Canada than in the English and the Dutch colonies further south. Uh, shorter growing season, no way, on, no way of farming things like tobacco or rice that makes the, uh, makes the colonies economically valuable. It is also difficult to attract colonists when you have a kind of a semi-feudal system with landowners and tenants uh, who have to work hard and pay taxes instead of owning and farming their own land. Uh, it is much more of a hierarchical system. Uh, there was no elected legislature, uh, but uh, there were conscriptions. Like other colonial powers, France over the time also ranked its colonies in the West Indies higher. Um, French established colonies including Guadalupe, Martinique, Grenada, San Domingo, San Croix and several other islands. These plantation colonies are significantly more lucrative with the cultivation of sugar, rice and tobacco and cocoa. When France finally loses the fight against English during the Seven Years' War, uh, or the French and Indian War, as, as it is called in U.S. history, the French prefer to uh, get back the several lost West Indies islands in the peace negotiation, preferring to give up Canada to England and compensate Spain for, for the loss of Florida by giving them Louisiana, but we'll get to that later. Despite 
all these disadvantages and sparse population, New France and Canada and Louisiana was an impressive colony that could seriously challenge England for dominance in, in North America. Uh, and New France also leaves a great legacy in the U.S. today. French settlements are the foundation of the great cities of Detroit, Des Moines, St. Louis, uh, New Orleans and Mobile, to name a few. The French also leave a legacy in the United States uh, linguistically, words like prairie and things like that. Uh, the French also had a more liberal relationship with the Native Americans. The cultures had to coexist to a greater extent than the, the more populated English colonies. It was more common for Frenchmen to marry na- Native American women and it provides a clear legacy in today's Canada and also in the Creole culture in Louisiana. The next colony I'm going to talk about is the New Netherlands. Uh, The Netherlands became independent from Spain by the end of the 16th century. And in the beginning of the 17th century, they became a republic and a seafaring nation with a thriving trade. Uh, Previously, the Netherlands had been able to trade goods from America through Spain and Portugal. But when they chose to break away from Spain and end up in a military conflict with Spain, that door closes. To survive, the Netherlands became a truly skilled seafaring nation, able to establish their own colonies in America uh, to get goods uh, from there. In the Netherlands, the Dutch East India Company sent the sailor Henry Hudson to the New World. Uh, Hudson was an Englishman who worked for the company. In 1609, Henry Hudson sails up the river that today bears his name, the Hudson River, uh, although Verazzano, a Frenchman, had already sailed there for the French. The Netherlands claimed the entire east coast between uh, present-day Virginia and Canada. Five years later, in 1614, uh, during a truce in the war with Spain, a number of traders created the New Netherlands Company and established a settlement and a trade station called Fort Nassau, located where we find uh, Albany in New York today. That is as far as you could sail up the Hudson River. Uh, The central mission for the Fort Nassau is to conduct fur trade with the Iroquois tribe. Dutch interest in America increases. Uh, In 1621, the Dutch West India Company is is formed. Uh, Among other things, uh, they try to establish colonies in Brazil, one of them called New Holland, which brings them into conflict with with Portugal. Uh, In Albany, the fur trade were were doing well, uh, but uh, seriously establishing a colony with a growing population is, is a little bit more difficult. Many of the colonists sent to New Netherlands refused to stay permanent or refused to work for the company. In the early years, New Netherlands had a strong competition from New Holland in Brazil. The the southern colony in warmer climate attracted more settlers than the cold northern colony. In 1625, a new governor, Peter Minuit, arrives. Um, Minuit makes the classic purchase of uh, the Manhattan Island for uh, well worthless goods worth around $24, an extremely good real estate deal. However, it it actually can be argued the other way around. Uh, according to some sources, the, that particular tribe didn't really control Manhattan, but sold it anyway. So I guess it's a question of who was fooling who. A number of forts and settlements were established in New Netherland. Uh, Minuit succeeds uh, in getting people to start farming and building farms around the town of New Amsterdam along the East River, uh, of course today's New York City. New Amsterdam became the most important base in the colony of New Netherland. Uh, Fort Nassau was also expanded and renamed Fort Orange, uh, later becoming, uh, of course, Albany. Although 
Today's New York City and Albany became the most important location. Smaller posts are also established in the north along the Connecticut River and in the south along the Delaware River and in the east along Long Island. Uh, so if New France is concentrated along the St. Lawrence River, the Great Lakes and the Mississippi River, uh, the ne- New Netherlands is concentrated along the, Hudsons, the, the Hudson, the Connecticut and the Delaware Rivers. The colony is similar to New France in that it relies heavily on fur trade rather than colonization itself. Um, and the two countries compete uh, with each other uh, for, for the fur trade. In 1629 there were only around 300 people in New Netherlands. Uh, however, Kilian van Rensselaer, a jeweler from Amsterdam, persuades the company to create a new system. First, the company's monopoly of the fur trade was abolished and it was opened up to everyone. Second, uh, if someone could pay for and bring 50 people with them, they would get a large tract of land along the Hudson River with the rights to trade with the Native Americans. Uh, these rights or these manners were called the patroonship. Um, it was, of course, the Dutch equivalent of the head rights systems established in Virginia or the seigneurs in New France, basically the manners. The Patrons of the manors were large. Uh, one of them was greater than the equivalent of all of Rhode Island, for example. Kilian van Rensselaer himself sent his son to manage the estate uh, called Rensselaerwick. Uh, this, is, this system of manors created a, a legacy for New York later, uh, where much of the land was tied up by large estates and prevents small farmers from owning their own property, instead forcing them to, to lease or become tenants uh, that made, for example, the New York colony to develop slow compared to the colonies like Pennsylvania, for example. Like other colonies, relations with the local Native Americans became strained and in 1643 the somewhat cynical governor William Kift uh, managed to provoke a war. Many colonists died. One of them is Anne Hutchinson, uh, whom we will talk about later, who had moved from Massachusetts and Rhode Island to, to Long Island. The Dutch survivors entrenched themselves in southern Manhattan uh, in New Amsterdam, where a wall had been built uh, for defense, uh, where the wall ran today is of course Wall Street, perhaps more associated with finance today than defense. Kaft managed the colony to survive the war by slyly paying rival Indian tribes for, for scalps. Despite the number of hard, hardline governors, the colony of New Netherland remains small. Uh, to increase the population, New Netherland was open to immigrants from all nations, uh, the first colony in North America to do so. So you have free immigration, you could say. Uh, in 1650, the population had grown to 4,000. In 1664, it had grown to 10,000. And then there is a huge mix of Dutch, French, Huguenots, French Valons from today's Belgium, English, Puritans, moved from New England, Scandinavians, Jews, and many, many more. New Amsterdam was a cosmopolitan, sometimes almost lawless city where ships from many different countries docked and uh, where Europeans as well as Native Americans got drunk from the first breweries in the New World. Even before the city became New York, it was already a cosmopolitan city, or should I say sort of a Gotham city. A particular problem for New Netherlands was that many Puritans moved across the water from Connecticut and settled on Long Island, and they demand completely different rights than than the Dutch residents. So you could say 
say that there is a rivalry uh, before New York Rangers and New York Islanders ever even existed. Uh, I'm sort of a hockey fan, so it's easy to think about it in that way. In 1647, Peter Stuyvesant is appointed governor of New Netherlands, and he wants to expand uh, the colony and its trade beyond Manhattan, uh, the Hudson River, and Long Island. New Netherlands uh, then end up in conflict with the other colonial powers. In the north, on the Connecticut River and on Long Island, the Dutch were at a disadvantage from the growing English colonies in New England, which grew much faster in terms of population. In a treaty with the New England Confederation in 1750, Stuyvesant gave up uh, the New Netherlands claims to Connecticut, New Haven and large parts of, the, of Long Island. In the south, they were more successful. In the Delaware area, a new group of Europeans had arrived, actually the Swedes, uh, in the colony of New Sweden, and Stuyvesant defeated defeated the the Swedes in 1655 and tightened the grip on the Delaware River. But it was not for long. In 1664, however, New Netherlands in their turn were conquered by the English uh, and the colony changed its name to New York. However, the New Netherlands has left many legacies in the United States. We're going to talk more about that when we talk about the colony of New York. But among other things, words like words like Yankee or Boss and loads of place names like Harlem and Brooklyn is from the from the New Netherlands era. Speaking of, of, of which, if we mix a Swedish settler with a colony of New Netherlands and New York of today, we get an interesting story leading to a, a place name. One of the Swedes who settled in New Netherlands was a man called Jonas Jonsson Brunk. In English, you of course don't say Brunk, you say Brunk. Uh, he didn't settle in the city of New Amsterdam on the southern Manhattan Island, but uh, bought land from the Native Americans a bit further to the north and built a large farm in what is today the Bronx where the Harlem River and the Bronx Kill meets uh, today the, the resident area of Mott Haven. The farm was almost 680 acres which was a big farm at, at, at the time. After Jonas Brunk's death uh, people in the area referred to the Bronx farm, uh, the Bronx River and the land as Bronx land or simply the Bronx at that time spelled with CK in the in the end uh, as the Swedish spelling. By 1695 the spelling changed to an X so then we got the Bronx and I'm not sure the average people living in the Bronx today knows that their borough is named after a Swedish settler living in the Dutch colony. Or as one Swedish writer who wrote about the Swedish immigration to the US states, it's rap music may have been born in the Bronx, but the Bronx was born in Sweden. So that's a that's, that's quite a story. I mentioned the colony of New Sweden. And, uh, what kind of a colony was that? As a Swede, I have to take some time to describe it because it's relatively unknown uh, as a chapter in American history books. But uh, it's quite fascinating. Uh, and I will get to New Sweden in the next episode. And then we will have a fascinating story about, story about Rambo as well. Until Till then, take care everyone. Bye. States like these and their terrorist allies constitute an axis of evil. And if the hippies and the yippies and the disruptors of the systems that Washington and Lincoln as presidents brought forth in this country 
will shut up and work within our free system of government, I will lower my voice. If the impeachment provision in the Constitution of the United States will not reach the offenses charged here, then perhaps that 18th century Constitution should be abandoned to a 20th century paper shredder. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow.